Welcome to another episode of the ASMR University Podcast. I'm Dr. Craig Richard, and this podcast explores the history, the art, and the science of autonomous sensory meridian response. If you have any questions or feedback, my email is asmruniversity at gmail.com or you can use the comment box at my website asmruniversity.com This episode is about the second peer-reviewed research publication about ASMR. The paper is titled An Examination of the default mode network in individuals with autonomous sensory meridian response. And it was published in the journal Social Neuroscience on May 31st, 2016. The authors are Stephen Smith, Beverly Fredberg, and Jennifer Cornelson from the University of Winnipeg in Manitoba in Canada. This paper is obviously significant because it's the second research publication about ASMR, but it's also significant because it is the first published biological data about ASMR. In the prior episode, you heard about the first research publication, and they used an online survey as their main method. The authors of this second study used functional magnetic resonance imaging as their main method. This is also referred to as fMRI, or even just MRI. So let me begin by just giving a short explanation of what an MRI does. A very short explanation is that it measures blood flow in the brain to give an indirect, although mostly accurate, indication of brain activity. For a long time, the ASMR community and others outside the community, have been greatly curious about what a MRI might reveal about ASMR. The first MRI study about ASMR was actually initiated in 2013 when Bryson Lochte started and completed MRI studies about ASMR for his senior thesis project at Dartmouth College. Although Bryson has not yet been able to publish his initial studies, he has continued to use MRI to investigate ASMR and may be publishing some data soon. So although Bryson is the first 
to use MRI to study ASMR. Stephen, Beverly, and Jennifer are the first to publish an MRI study on ASMR. So how did they do their study? The authors of this paper recruited 11 individuals whom experience ASMR, and this is referred to as the ASMR sensitive group. And they also recruited 11 individuals whom did not experience ASMR. And this is referred to as the control group. Both groups underwent an MRI to investigate if there were any major differences in their brain activity. The imaging process was done in the absence of any active ASMR triggers, and this was to identify potential underlying and baseline neuroanatomic differences between the two groups. So what did they find? The short answer is that they found differences in the functional connectivity between the brains of those who do experience ASMR compared to the brains of those who don't experience ASMR. Their study doesn't provide causal data, meaning it can't be concluded that the brain differences are the reason for experiencing or not experiencing ASMR. But their study does provide important associative data for a biological difference between those who can and those who can't experience ASMR. And as importantly, it is very encouraging for further biological studies about ASMR. All right, so that so far is just a brief summary about the paper and about the authors. To go more in-depth, I'm also going to share an interview I did by email with two of the authors, Beverly Fredborg and Dr. Stephen Smith. At the time of the interview, Dr. Smith was an associate professor and Beverly was a research assistant. And here's some of the things you'll hear about in this interview. They're going to talk about their excitement of publishing the first biological study about ASMR. They're going to provide an explanation of what is an MRI. They're going to share how the idea for the MRI experiment developed, their methodology, and their results. They're going to talk about some of the challenges they had with the study. And they'll end the interview with a teaser about their next ASMR research publication. You're going to hear each of my questions first and then their replies. Sometimes they both provided a reply 
to one of my questions, and sometimes just one of them provided a reply. To help you discern who is replying, and also to give you an ear-to-ear experience, you will hear Beverly's replies in your right ear and Dr. Smith's replies in your left ear. I will also include a link to their publication in the show notes of this episode, along with a link to the transcript of this interview, in case you want to read either one on your own. And now, here is my interview with Beverly and Dr. Smith. Congratulations on the first biological publication about ASMR. How does that feel? And what type of reception has the paper received so far? Beverly, thank you so much. Everyone has been really supportive about the publication, which is exactly what we had hoped for. We submitted the paper for publication in late 2015. So when we finally found out that it was accepted and to be published, we were thrilled. We are so happy to hear that people seem to be interested in what we found. Dr. Smith. Thanks. As Beverly said, it's wonderful that people are interested in the study. Apparently, in terms of internet presence, it's in the top 5% of research papers being tracked by Altmetric and has been tweeted about in the U.S., U.K., Germany, Russia, Turkey, and India. Hopefully, that will lead to more research related to ASMR. You used a fMRI scanner in your study. How would you explain fMRI to a non-scientist? Dr. Smith. fMRI stands for Functional Magnetic Resonance Imaging, also referred to as MRI, and is a way of measuring the activity of cells in the brain. When a brain area is active, it uses up oxygen at a different rate than when it is not active. The brain responds to this by sending more oxygen-rich blood to that area of the brain. The catch is that oxygenated and deoxygenated blood, blood with normal levels of oxygen, and blood with reduced oxygen levels have different magnetic properties. The scanner 
can detect these differences, thus showing us how the activity levels of various brain areas differ. How did the idea for this experiment evolve? Dr. Smith I first learned about ASMR from a student in my introductory psychology class in late 2013. As soon as she described her experiences to me, I decided that we needed to see what brain areas were involved with ASMR. As someone who doesn't experience ASMR, I was fascinated by the idea that whispering or repetitive sounds could produce tingling responses that were associated with positive, calming emotions. The problem was that we weren't sure that people could relax enough in an MRI scanner to really experience ASMR. It's tough to relax when you're in a large tube, the MRI device that is making loud noises. Knowing that several people are watching you and hoping you tingle would only add to the anxiety participants would feel. So although we're actively collecting data related to tingles, we also wanted to collect additional measures of brain activity that weren't dependent upon people experiencing tingles inside a scanner. This led us to resting state scans. In these scans, we collect the same functional MRI measurements of people as in other types of brain imaging studies. But instead of seeing what areas light up when a particular stimulus is presented, we measure brain activity when a person isn't performing any cognitive or perceptual task. Although that description seems silly at first, there's actually a ton of information we can glean from these resting state scans. The reason is that when you're not performing some sort of cognitive task, your brain cells are still firing. Otherwise, you'd be dead. And the firing rates of these cells fluctuate. As it turns out, the cells in particular brain areas tend to fluctuate at roughly the same frequency, suggesting that their activity is related. We therefore assume that these different brain regions are working together as a network, basically as a team. Our recent paper was an examination of the best known of these networks, the default mode network. Looking at this network allowed us to see that the brains of people with ASMR differed from the rest of the population, even when they weren't actively experiencing tingles. How did you recruit 
and select the participants. Beverly. We essentially recruited all of our participants through word of mouth. It's pretty difficult to put up posters and ask for people to participate because it's pretty hard to explain what ASMR is through a short infographic or poster. A lot of people don't realize they have ASMR experiences or conversely, believe they have them but do not. ASMR differs from free song. Although some people experience ASMR through means other than audiovisual stimuli or with audiovisual stimuli and touch simultaneously, for instance, and for the purposes of our study, we only wanted participants with audiovisual ASMR. We aim to homogenize the sample as much as possible. How did you determine the ASMR sensitive participants from the control group? Beverly. We actually conducted hour long interviews with participants which I would ask them questions about the ASMR. For example, how long they have experienced it, what triggers them, etc. We would also watch a few popular ASMR videos together, and I would make notes on their experiences. Finally, I had all participants complete a self-created ASMR checklist. We wanted to be sure that they really did have ASMR, though currently there is no official diagnosis of ASMR. A few participants were ruled out through this interview, so it was important that it was done before they went through the scan. What were the participants doing during the scanning? Beverly. We had them rest for seven minutes while in the scanner. By rest, I mean remain motionless with their eyes closed while still staying awake. We had them do more in the scanner later on but we are still scanning participants for that study and as such do not have any results. What were the direct results of the MRI scans? Beverly. Essentially, we found that the default mode network in individuals with ASMR differs from that of the matched controls. Dr. Smith. The default mode network is made up of a number of different areas. 
when we're at rest, these areas tend to fire together, suggesting that they work as a network or team. We found that in ASMR, several of the regions involved in the default mode network don't fire together quite as consistently. But areas that aren't normally part of the default mode network were firing in the same pattern as this network. We're speculating that in ASMR, different resting state networks are blending in a way that doesn't typically occur in other people. This isn't bad. It's just different. We do need to caution people about over-interpreting the data, however. This study was quite small, and it's just a first step in the study of this phenomenon. We're definitely not making any definitive claims about ASMR. What interpretations do you have about the fMRI scan results? Beverly. The decreased functional connectivity found between the frontal lobes and sensory and attentional regions seen in individuals with ASMR may reflect a reduced ability to inhibit sensory emotional experiences. We also hypothesize that ASMR may involve a blending of multiple resting state networks, which has been seen in other studies of anomalous perception. Pretty cool. What challenges did you run into with this study? Beverly. Finding participants was challenging. And for this study, there were only 11. It was also difficult scheduling participants because our scanner is only available for research four hours a week. We also have been working on this study since 2014. It has been a long time coming, so it was great to finally publish something. Dr. Smith. I think a major challenge that we've faced over the past two years is participant recruitment. Although the ASMR subreddit has over 100,000 subscribers, it's not always easy to find them, particularly in a mid-sized Canadian city. We also have the challenge that not all ASMR participants are alike. As we've noticed in some of our non-MRI research, there is a lot of variability in ASMR triggers and intensity. Unfortunately, we don't know if there are clear ASMR subtypes, so we don't know if this potential issue is affecting our results. 
I don't think it would for the default mode network study because that network is quite pronounced. But I think ASMR studies being conducted in five years will have a better handle on which ASMR-related variables need to be controlled for. Do you have plans for further MRI experiments? Beverly. They are going on right now. Dr. Smith. I think we're a few participants away from being able to finish several neuroimaging studies related to ASMR. You've also collected data about ASMR and personality traits. What were the objectives of that study? Beverly. Essentially, we want to know if individuals with ASMR share certain personality traits, and if these traits are related to specific aspects of individuals' ASMR experiences. We're hoping to submit that for publication in the next month, although it would obviously still need to go through peer review. Perhaps we can talk about it more when it is hopefully published. Well, that is the end of the interview. And as an epilogue, the good news is that they have published their data about ASMR and personality traits. And I will probably be focusing on that paper in my next Science of ASMR episode. You can also look forward to some Voices of ASMR episodes in the future. So as a reminder, you can go to asmruniversity.com and click the link on the homepage that says Voices of ASMR or just use the link in the show notes of this episode. And you may hear me share your specific ASMR experiences on a future episode of this podcast. And finally, if you are enjoying this podcast, then it would be great if you could write a review on iTunes. You can use the link in the show notes of this episode or just go directly to iTunes or to the Apple Podcast app and click the review button for this podcast. I know doing that takes time. So I will sincerely and personally thank you at the start of a future episode. Until next time, I'm Dr. Craig Richard, and this has been an episode of the ASMR University Podcast.